0: carson horn and it's friday at 11 which means it's time for talking tumors on wego 91.1 so grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling welcome in everyone it is homecoming weekend on the plains and there's certainly a lot of noise and uh A lot of drama going on around campus, and we're going to get into all that. We've got a jam-packed show again today. Unfortunately, it's not completely full of positivity, but look, I'm going to look at things with honest perspective and try to take uh, my bias out of it as much as I can. Because look, that's what I want to give. I I want to be able to be honest. I want to be able to talk about the truth about What the state of Auburn football is at right now? What are the feelings on campus? What is the perspective of an Auburn student? So there's going to be a lot to get into in this episode, and I'm looking forward to it. And let's go ahead and get rolling. We're going to start with the recap as much as I know I don't really want to talk about it anymore. I know others may not want to talk about it anymore. But for the show, I think it's important for us to go back and try to recap this Penn State game. Because, boy, was it brutal. It the final score in this game was 41 to 12. Auburn scored a late touchdown, went for two, and did not get it. The, I, if you had told if you had said, Hey, you know, Carson, you can make 10 predictions for this game, and I would not have predicted a blowout by Penn State in any of those 10 predictions. I'm not sure if you've given me 50 if I would have predicted a blowout uh, for Penn State. In, in any of those predictions. This was a very shocking outcome. I, I was very uh, caught off guard, very surprised that this was how this game went. But, but it, it was the case, and the things that I had talked about, and I'm not a genius because these are the same things I'm sure that the Auburn coaching staff talked about in the meetings this week, the turnovers, the penalties, the lack of discipline. Those were all things that I discussed that had to be improved if this Auburn team wanted to win. And the fact was, they didn't do any of those things. And that's not the recipe for success. I said that last week. If we do those things again, going to lose. And that's exactly what happened. If you look at this box score of this game, stat-wise, very, very similar. I mean, very similar. It's uh, quite uh, insane how close it was. Look. Auburn had 415 total yards. Penn State had 477. Auburn had more passing yards than Penn State. Had almost 300. Auburn ran for 119. But look, and even the penalties here. The penalties are almost similar. Uh, Penn State actually had more penalties than Auburn, which is uh, very interesting. I didn't even uh, notice that when originally looking at this. But looking at it now, but here's your difference. Four turnovers. Two fumbles lost, two interceptions thrown. Four turnovers and and then getting dominated up front. Yes, I know people get tired of tired of hearing the old cliche, the game's won and lost in the trenches, but it is. Turnovers, how you play up front. Auburn's offensive line, that may have been the worst offensive line play I have seen in, 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 as long as I've watched college football. That was so, so bad. And I'm look. We knew this Auburn offensive line has not has not been good in the last three years or more. That that's not something new. But they've at least been somewhat competitive. They weren't even competitive in this game. Just getting absolutely destroyed. I think Austin, uh, you know, Austin will really struggle. Probably had the one of the worst games of his career. And just, I mean, getting beat off the ball, getting dominated. And then the defensive line as well. Not just the offensive line. I'm not just going to pick on them. The defensive line got dominated too. And I would have never expected that with this defensive line. Especially with a big old guy like Jason Jones. I mean, he got moved around. I thought, honestly, Marcus Harris probably played the best. He's got to stay on the field. Because, look, he's not a huge, huge guy. He gained weight this offseason. But he played pretty well. He was tough to block. But the defensive line... that was not a concern going into this game. It is for me now, but it was not going into this game. I did not think the Auburn defensive line would struggle to stop the run game. Look, Nick Singleton's a great back. I'll give him that. He's very talented, but Auburn made him look way too good. And this Penn State offensive line talked about how it had been iffy because they had they had really struggled uh, for a lot of so far this season. But man, they you know they put on a clinic this week. So the lines of scrimmage, man, you you got to take some pride in that. And this is a and going back to Auburn's offensive line. This is a veteran offensive line. So again, yes, I know that they haven't. They're not extremely talented. Yes, I know that they haven't been good their whole career, but they should be better than what they are. You know, at, at, when you play together, the amount of time that those guys have played together, there's there's no excuse for that. And that's that really comes down to just will. And that's what just I guess su- su- surprised me so much about this game because I-, I said it was a must win, and it was a must win. And, and we're going to get into what the what the loss means coming up a little bit later on. But uh, you you think when you when you're playing for what this group playing in and the culture that we talked about and everything that that Brian Harson has discussed about this team that the way they played was not the way they've been talking about. You know, they're they're they're. Their play on the field didn't back up everything they've said this offseason. season. That wasn't the team we saw out there on Saturday was was not a team that, that prides itself on grit and determination and toughness. They just got destroyed. And that's the problem. Penn State is not that much more talented than Auburn. I'm not saying they aren't more talented than Auburn. I, I think you can certainly make the argument that they are, but not 41 to 12 more talented than Auburn. That they, especially at home. Look, the fans brought it. There was a great crowd, and and the energy was there. But there just there wasn't the performance. And again, though, we'll go back. This game is 14 to 6 at halftime. Auburn moved the ball fairly well in this game offensively. They, they were driving the field. They couldn't score touchdowns in the red zone. That's another crucial factor. You've got to be able to score in the red zone. But at halftime, you could feel this thing, okay, this is starting to get away from us, you know, depending on how this, you know, early in the second half, this first drive, getting the ball at half, how, how it goes could determine a lot. And you go three and out, get behind the chains and get to a third and long. And it was a horrible opening drive. You're like, uh-oh, okay, this isn't good, but we're going to have to have the defense bail us out. And defense could not do that. TJ ends up getting hurt. Robbie plays uh, pretty much the whole second half after that first drive. And look, TJ, I think, continued to battle. It looked like a situation where TJ got benched. I don't think it had to do with that at all. I I really do think it had to do with, with, with his injury because TJ was not the problem. in standing. The quarterback play was not the problem in this game. Were they perfect? No. I know TJ threw the interception. He was getting hit as he threw it. That, that's not he he was not the issue the issue uh, sure could he have been better but I, I honestly thought he might have had his best game he's had so far this season uh the the issues were with the offense line the issues were with the with the turnovers with the penalties that that that's where the not being able to finish drives in the red zone that's where the issues were and and so the blame really this should not fall on TJ or, or any other quarterback situation again. I'm not saying they don't have room for improvement because just like everyone else on the team, they have got they have room for improvement. But also, you know, continue to recap, Auburn stopped running the ball. And, you know, I, I didn't understand. There was no reason to completely abandon the run game. Even down, you're down 14-6, to 6 and Auburn just abandoned the run game. That I, I did not understand either, uh, because honestly, as bad as the Auburn offensive line was in the game, they did find some success running the football. So I really, I didn't understand completely abandoning the run game there. And uh, I said that during the game, you know, don't don't abandon the run just because we're down. But we did, and that's and I thought Auburn would have some advantages there, taking advantage of Penn State's linebacker group, but they didn't. And the halftime adjustments obviously were were uh, fairly poor. Um, Because they they didn't solve any of the issues, things got worse there in the second half. You know, Auburn continues continue the trend of just getting uh, very much outscored there uh, in the in the second half. And um, but I, I go back, you know, to the the start of this game. Really, that first drive, it it felt good. I was like, okay, you're clicking. You know, look, everything looks good, but not being able to score and finish out a touchdown after you stop, you know. Penn State at midfield, that was a big deal, and um, scoring in the red zone continues to be a problem for this uh, Brian Harsin uh, program under Auburn. It's, when you get down to the red zone, that your mindset, your philosophy, you know, my... Uh, high school offense coordinator you know he talks a ton about that that mindset just has to be different when you get into the red zone it's so vital to get touchdowns over field goals it's what separate good from great and in this game separated you know turned into a blowout because you weren't able to score what happens it could have changed the whole game if you score that you know you score touchdowns in the red zone there you're not down 14 to 6 at halftime and said, you know you're at you're at 14 to 14 at halftime. You're feeling a, a lot different about where this where this game is going going to go moving forward. Um, and then on the other aspect, I want to switch and talk a little bit about defense before we head into break here uh, to finish out the recap of the game. I, I didn't. Uh, the Jeff Jeff in game plan just frustrated me. Just let just let Sean Clippert stay in the pocket. Could not get pressure on him yet again. Did not dial up more pressure. And let him make let him make plays. Didn't try to load up the box again when you're when you're struggling in the run defense. Uh, coaching was was I think just as much of the problem as to the actual on-field play and and the physical play. Um, by 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 this team, it was just, it's just a lot of frustration and shock. And then you know, of course, the stadium by early in the second half started to clear out. Just out of out of frustration, out of disappointment, again, just the shock. Um, Penn State, I think they, they're they a good team. They, they've got a bright future ahead of them. But like I said, there's absolutely no reason for a 41-12 to blowout game at home with the amount of excitement. Again, there was so much excitement. I talked about it last week on campus and the how everyone was looking forward to this matchup this week, and it, it did not live up to its hype, so now Auburn is challenged with, okay, how do you turn this thing around? The whole season is still in front of you. Your goals are still in front of you, and that's what Brian Harsin's had to preach to his team, I'm sure, but there's a lot of drama and a lot of controversy, and that's what we're about to get into in this next, next segment discussing everything else that's going on around this program because there's certainly been a, a lot to discuss this week, what has happened this week, and um, we're going to break down all of that going forward again. We've got a full show planned. I'm not doing the what I like and dislike. I pretty much didn't have anything I liked from this past game. So we're skipping, skipping that part. But um, we'll have, of course, in our third segment, the preview of Missouri game, the game plan, uh, what Auburn needs to do to win that game. Maybe they'll actually do those things this time. Again, not saying I'm a genius. I'm sure what I'm saying is what they're preaching in their meetings But they're going to need to do those things to be able to succeed this week. And then, of course, in our fourth segment, we'll go through uh, predictions for other games this week. But again, coming up, we're going to dive into all the drama uh, surrounding the sovereign football program and where they can go from here. You're listening to Talking Tumors here on Weagle 91.1. We'll be back back in now to Talking Tumors here on Weagle 91.1. So let's dive into where does Auburn go from here? I think that's the question that a lot of folks are asking. This has been a big drama field week. We knew this was going to be this way had Auburn lost, but it's on another level because of the way the game went and because of the way the loss. I mean, l- losing in that fashion uh, really um, made things worse than, than they... Uh, than they would have been had you lost a close hand. It would have been bad either way, losing. But again, I said it was a must win. Most people said it was a must win, and it was because, again, here we are talking about where do we go from here, and we're not we're not having this conversation this week if we, you know, pull out that game. Auburn pulls out that win um, this past weekend, but this has been a frustrating week. There's been a lot of drama surrounding the program. You can tell in uh, Brian Harsin's. Uh, appearances with the media this week has been contentious uh, he is obviously very frustrated he's obviously very angry and upset as well and look I'm gonna be honest the Brian Horson era is coming to an end uh, and I, I I don't think it's gonna last much longer I, I don't know you know I don't again I don't have any inside scoop or anything like that it's just pure speculation on my end but I think a lot of people out there would agree with me that the Brian Harsin era is is close to coming to an end when we make it through the season. I'm not even sold on that. I think he uh, the era may end sooner rather than later. It, th- by saying that, that doesn't mean what happened this winter to him was fair or right or that he should have been fired this winter. No. he uh, That's absolutely—this does not justify any of that. Uh, that was completely wrong. Everything, that all the drama that went down, not going to rehash that. This past winter, it doesn't. That doesn't change that. But what has happened so far this season would justify making a change. Now, again, we're only three games into it, so you can argue that fact whether you know it's not fair. Three games into the season, and that that's a fair argument. But things have to change, and they have to change quickly, and they've got to change in a big way. And I'm just not sure that's going to be able to happen uh, for this Auburn team. My question still is, is this team still bought in? I have a big question about the culture. We heard so much about this culture, and I really do think they rallied around uh, Coach Harson after all the drama. I really do think this team, the guys who are on this team, bought in to what he was selling, and they want to play for him. And, and they like him a lot, and they, they believe in, in what he's selling. But the performance hasn't backed that up. The way that Auburn has played this year – has has in no way backed up what Brian Harsin been preaching. You have to practice what you preach, and these Auburn teams haven't. Look, it, I, I, you know, and and ultimately whether it's your 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 fault or not, you're the head coach. The responsibility falls on you. If your players are not playing in the way that you're talking about, Brian Harson says the right things. He does. I'll give him that, and he'll he makes you believe. But as of right now. The team hasn't played in the way he's talked about. He talks about playing disciplined football. He talks about playing penalty-free football. He, you know, he 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 talks about giving, you know, being the most physical team. Auburn hasn't been any of those things this season, and and weren't any of those things for really the last five games of last season. At some point, you've got to be held accountable. You can't be hypocritical. And because Auburn has not backed up and it's not played in the way that Brian Harson talks, then, then people start to question, okay, or do you just say it or do you actually put it into action? And, and it leads to a lot of frustration. This week is going to tell us a lot, though, about where this culture is. Is this team still bought in? I still think they're going to play hard. I, if, if not for the team, then at least for themselves, the guys. There's a lot of seniors on this team. There's a lot of guys who are playing uh, to try to elevate their draft stocks to try to get to the next level. But I want to see are, are they still bought in? They still believe that they can make this season a success because a lot of a lot of these guys like Derek Call, like John Samuel Shanker, like Colby Wooden, they mentioned not that last season left a sour taste in their mouth and they wanted a, a chance to come back into and, and to you know make things right and to finish their careers out at Auburn and I, man I want them to be able to do that I really do and I know they want that. So how do these guys play? Can they get the rest of the team to buy in and still believe that yes, even though that game was ugly, that's not who we are. One game doesn't define us. We can turn this thing around. Is that their belief? Cuz right now I don't think many Auburn fans have that belief that this is that that they can really turn this season into anything positive, that's including myself. And look, I'm I'm a pretty optimistic uh, person, I'm a pretty optimistic fan. But I'm not seeing that right now out of this Auburn uh, Auburn team. There's there's been nothing that I've seen uh, from this team so far that gives me hope that they can really turn this whole whole thing around. So I'm really interested. Did they come out here against Missouri tomorrow? And did they just dominate? Did they play their tails off and and come out the big win? Even if they don't come out the big win, did they do you, you can tell when a team's playing really hard when they're giving it everything they have. If, if, if they do that then and play clean football. Then I'm okay. They're still bought in. They're they're still believing, in, you know, in what Coach Harston is is you know trying to instill in them. If not, they come out and play sloppy football. Even if they escape with a win, I'm going to come out with that okay. They've kind of checked out. We've seen that in the past. Again, there's there continues to unfortunately be a lot of resemblance to the 2012 season, and that's not the comparison that you want to have if you're this Auburn football team. Or anyone involved with this program, I'm not ready to go there. 2012 was absolutely brutal, one of the worst years in Auburn football history. I'm not ready to make that comparison yet, but there's been certainly some statistics that will back up that comparison uh, so far this season. So, so we're gonna see a lot. But as far as also again discussing, I you know talked to when I opened it up, way Brian Harson, the media has been this week. Look, the media is gonna pounce on a story. And we know again, with everything that happened this this off season, there's going to be a lot of eyes and a short leash for Brian Harson. And so again, when you get blown out like that, it's, it it angers the fan base, and it, it's, it's upsetting. And they're they, you know they're ready for things to change. And and Brian Harson again, he he knew how much that game meant. He had said it to recruits like, "Hey, just watch. Come to this game. Just watch. See what we're all about." So everything—it was a non-conference game, but it so much was on the line in that game, and he knew it. So the fact that he was—he was, he was uh, short-tempered with the press this week was not a surprise. But of course, they jumped all over it. They and uh, they didn't like it either. So they, you know, press is coming out—you know—a lot of negative stories uh, towards Brian Harson. And then here you go with all the drama with the quarterback situation. T.J. F- Finley's health, his dad goes on an, an, another Auburn podcast, and he uh, discusses T.J. health. Uh, he fusses, you know, about the the offense and how the quarterback situation's been handled this week, uh, this year, and, I mean, what do you expect? Think things aren't going well. You, you just lost, uh, you got blown out. I mean, any parent's going to be frustrated, so you have to look at it from that perspective, but. No matter what, a parent going on a, going on a podcast and and you know trashing the 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 coach and the way things have been handled is never a good look for your program and further adds to the drama that's been surrounding uh, the team this week. And then you add on to Brian Harson not being completely honest as far as injury situations went, as far as what's going on with the team. I understand he's not the only coach in. In college football, and in, in in sports in general, who doesn't like to be honest about injuries? I understand the whole; it gives you a competitive advantage, and so he he. It's not uncommon for coaches not to be forthcoming, but he was a little more so than just not being forthcoming. You know, he he. A uh, uh, media member asked about Zach Calzada's health, the uh, you know, on Monday, and at, he asked if uh, the, that media member knew. Uh, something he didn't know, and obviously the media member must have, or uh, Brian Harson just didn't think that information had escaped because, of course, we know now that Zach Calzada is having season ending shoulder surgery, but Brian Harson didn't want to discuss that. He said TJ Finley was healthy and fine when we know, in fact, that Finley is going to be out for at least this week, if not more weeks going forward. That's just not a good look. is It's not a good look for Brian Harson when. The program is is at where it's at right now, where it's really just hanging on by a thread. For you not to be, for you to really be, just honestly put it how it is, lying to the media, and and being rude to the media when you're put in this situation where the the knife is already there. You know, it, you know, there's it, things are close to coming to an end, and you're not helping yourself by by answering questions in the way he did, by behaving the way he did, by not being. Uh, forthcoming uh, the way that he was this week. It's just not beneficial. And things you can tell, again, just aren't good. You, When when a situation happens like this, you can't control everything that's out there. You can't control every story that's going to be written about the program. But you can try to turn some things into some positivity. You can immediately say, yes, you know, TJ's dealing with an injury. Yes, Zach, we're still trying to figure out some things with him, blah, blah, blah. You can, you can make things positive. But we're, look, we're focused on us. We're focused on getting right. This week, we're focused on turning our attention to SEC play. Our goals or everything that we want to accomplish still in front of us, that's how you handle that. And he just didn't handle it really well. And you can turn, be like a politician, look, turn that question on its head and try to bring positivity out. And, and really, he, he didn't bring any positivity at all towards this program this weekend, uh, this week uh, with his press conferences in the media. He couldn't get control of the narrative out there, which I know that Brian Horson loves to have control of this program. So to really answer, though, that general question that opened up with where does, the, where does the Auburn program go from here, I think for now you're still in this waiting period, waiting for whether or not Brian Harson is retained throughout the season, waiting for him to go ahead and be fired. You're still just kind of a in this waiting position to see how everything plays out. Again, these next few weeks, will be critical. Again, Auburn loses this game tomorrow. I, I don't think he's your coach come 12 o'clock Sunday. Auburn wins this game tomorrow. I think he buys himself a little bit more time. Uh, I've read from reporting, uh, Justin Hogson out there has reported that possibly by the bye week, if things continue on the path that they're on right now, that he could be let go. So we'll see. I think Auburn is just in a waiting period right now but if you're an Auburn player if you're on this team where do you go from here look you've got to keep battling you've got to believe that somewhere down in there look this is possible if as a player I know this feeling like you you always believe you're going to win a game if you don't you shouldn't be playing in it you should always believe you're, no matter who you're going up against that you're going to win and so that's what this Auburn team these these players they've got to rally around each other look even their own fan base doesn't really believe in them in, that, in in this moment, and that's got to be tough, I understand that. I feel for those guys in the locker room. But they've got to rally around each other, and they've just got to go, look, we just got to go out here and we've got to play. we got to play to the best of our abilities, and whatever happens, happens. You've got to control what you can control. They can't control what's going on. They can't control whether or not you know Brian Harsin is going to retain his job, if he's going to be there when they walk into the facility the next day. All they can do is try to go out there and play their best football and to improve upon how they played so far. They know they can play better than they played. So control what you can control, and as far as just from an outside perspective, Auburn's just in a waiting period, and, and I think that'll continue uh, from here on out. And, again, I'll address more about the future of the program once we get more of a definitive answer on what things are going to be looking like down the road and where Auburn needs to go. Um, but that's where Auburn kind of is at right now. And then, uh, finally, before we get into the preview, I do want to discuss a little bit the, the quarterback situation. And that added to, the, again, the drama this week. T.J. Finley, you know, finally, uh, the news reported early in the week, but Brian Harson still, he has yet still to confirm that T.J. will not play this week. But it's been widely reported at this point. His dad confirmed it when he was on the Auburn, uh, Locked on Auburn podcast earlier this week. He is out. Then, of course, Zach Calzada, it had been rumored, but it's finally official. He is choosing to uh, try to get a medical red shirt and is going to have surgery on his non-throwing shoulder. This is an injury that is from last year, I believe, maybe from the Auburn game last year. Uh, he could have played through it had he chosen to. Um, and that tells you a lot about kind of where he's at and how he feels necessarily about this team this year and this season. He uh, didn't see it worthwhile. Again, this is based just purely based on my speculation. Didn't see it worthwhile to try to even with an opportunity possibly to play this week and going forward. Didn't didn't think it was worth it to, to try to um, play this season after the way things have gone so far. Decided to opt to have um, surgery instead of waiting until the off season, Just focus on getting healthy and trying to be ready by spring and get ready for next season. So that's not a good look for your program. But it was a decision that uh, Zach Calzada thought was best for him and his future going forward. And you have to respect that. So he's out. T.J. Finley's out. Robbie Ashford's going to get the start, and then I think you'll also see a little bit of the true freshman uh, four-star Holden Garner. Um, Brian Harson talked a lot about him. Again, he Brian Harson loves him. He he is expected to be the quarterback of the future for Auburn. Uh, Brian Harson said this all season. He was he's the best passer on the team. Of course, a lot more goes into being quarterback than just throwing the ball, but he's got great arm talent. I expect that he'll get to play some. He will definitely be the backup this week. Good chance he'll play some. So that'll be fun to see him, um, and I hope that he gets to do well and gets to put some good film out there uh, for himself going forward and going forward for this Auburn program. So we'll dive uh, even more uh, into into uh, this quarterback situation in this next segment because we're going to be previewing the Missouri game because, again, as much drama is going around the program, as much as we're talking about non actual football uh, things and, and actual the game and the, the uh, X's and O's of the game. We are going to get into that because, yet again, no matter what we say or how much of the uh, off-field drama that we want to talk about, there is a game that's going to be played tomorrow, and I want to talk about that. So that's coming up here on Weagle 91.1. You're listening to Talking Tumors. We'll be right back. Fire th- it is homecoming weekend in Auburn. And it's just in time because the fall weather has arrived. It feels great here in, in Auburn this weekend. It should be a, a beautiful day tomorrow. Eleven o'clock kickoff on ESPN. First eleven o'clock kickoff that Auburn has had this year. Again, there's always a worry about you know how eleven o'clock affects games. Um, we'll, we'll see. But I don't. I don't think there's anything uh, that can a- already add to the drama surrounding or have any bigger effect than than all the. Uh, Storyline surrounding this program this week. I don't think 11 o'clock uh, uh, kickoff will add anything else to this game. But if you're tuning in, that's when it'll be at 11 o'clock tomorrow. And look, this Missouri team that Auburn's facing, I'll be honest, they're not good. They're, they're not. And this game, honestly, is a battle for who is the, uh, the loser, be seen as the second uh, worst team in the SEC. <laughs> that's what that's what the, on the line right now in this game. Of course, Missouri is coached by Eli Drinkwitz, who has experience with both uh, all, for, well former Auburn coach Gus Malzon and current Auburn coach uh, Brian Harson Eli Drinkwitz was on Malzahn's staff at Arkansas State. He was a graduate assistant uh, for Auburn in the 2010 national championship team, and then he coached with Brian Harson at Arkansas State, and then I believe at Boise. For a little bit, too. So they know each other well. Uh, that They are good friends. Um, so you got another uh, friendly face on the sideline this week for Brian Harson. This, this Missouri team has struggled to really get going under Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, he did really well at App State, but he struggled to really make things work for Missouri. They got blown out in their non-conference game against Kansas State two weeks ago in Week 2. So they've also had a big, bad non-conference loss. They went on the road to Kansas State. And we'll talk a little bit about what Kansas State did here in just a few minutes and what Auburn can maybe try to replicate in this game. With that being said, though, I want to first start out looking looking at Missouri's defense and how Auburn's offense should attack. So I will say, while Missouri's not a very good team, their defense has created seven turnovers so far this season, which is a lot one of the best uh, ratios in the country. So that's scary for Auburn, who has the worst turnover ratio in the country. Uh, so far this season, Auburn's turned the ball over way too much. Of course, we—I've we, said it every week. We'll say it again. Auburn has to win the turnover battle this week, so they've got to change the stat for Missouri. However, teams have, have, have had pretty good success in the red zone against this Auburn uh, against this Missouri defense. They've scored 85 percent of the time. So Missouri's red zone defense not the best. Uh, this Missouri defense was probably one of the worst in the country last year. They've improved since then, but again, still not good. They're going to give some different looks in, in coverage. Uh, they'll go back and forth between zone and man. Again, I expect them to load the box. Every team's going to continue to do that. Of course, with uh, Robbie Ashford starting this week, that changed things a little bit for how they have to defend. They're always going to have to have someone to account for him, but that doesn't change the fact that they'll load the box. Still, they would have done that with Robbie or TJ, and they like to blitz a lot. Again, with TJ back there, is a little bit would be a little bit more beneficial because he's less mobile, uh, bringing pressure. If they don't keep a spy on Robbie, could be a little dangerous for him if he is able to escape the pocket. So that could be key for uh, Auburn this week. The offense, if the pocket breaks down, uh, Robbie using his legs could come up to be a big advantage uh, for Auburn. So, but I still expect them to be aggressive, especially with their linebackers sending pressure. So the question is now, how should this Auburn offense attack in this game? First of all, with Robbie Asher making his first start, he's played plenty. Uh, he'll be comfortable again. This is a a lot less of a pressure game than Penn State was last week. But again it still is his first start. I'm sure he'll still have plenty of nerves. But if I'm Brian Harrison, if I'm Eric Keesaw, I'm letting him go. Let him play. Call plays though that are going to work to his advantage. What's that going to be? That's going to be RPO type of plays. That's going to be keeping him in the shotgun more so than you would TJ. With TJ you like to go more under center. Get him in the shotgun. Get him going early. Quick passes. Screen game. And get him comfortable. We haven't seen him throw the ball a ton. When we have, <laughs> it hasn't been pretty. So get him comfortable early. But then you're gonna have to let him take some shots because you're gonna have to spread this defense out. And again, you're gonna have to be able to try to open it up. But again, let him be. Let him get comfortable. And, and don't be afraid. If he knows the playbook, then call it. If he doesn't, then don't. Then don't. But hopefully, at this point in the season, he's pretty comfortable with the majority of the playbook. So let him go, and let him get after it. The second thing, and I've got it written in all caps, Get Tank Bigsby the football, please, said every Auburn fan. Is it begging you? Let Tank run. He's one of the best players in the country. Get him the football. I don't care if it's running, the, running passing, it doesn't matter. The ball needs to be in your playmaker's hands. It was absolutely unacceptable that he did not get the ball more last week. He has to get the football, and I believe he will. And that that goes for Jarquez too. I mean, Jarquez needs to get carries. Damari Austin needs to get carries. Run the football this this week. But again, really goes back to get the ball in your best player's hands. Tank Bigsby is your best player. Let him run it. And I believe they will. And then for an offensive line, zone schemes will work to your advantage. This Auburn offensive line. Again, this is probably going to be the, the worst defense they face this whole year and uh, the rest of the year, minus maybe Western Kentucky. Uh, They're in the second to last week of the season. But still, running zone scheme does not does not force you to have to just dominate your guy. you just got to get a hat on a hat, be sound in your technique of where you're supposed to go, knowing your assignments. Doing that and it allows the running backs to kind of make their own decisions to pick a to pick a gap and go with it rather than running gap scheme, which requires you to really get a push, get a washdown, which means literally moving the defensive lineman. Auburn's offensive line is really not going to be very good at moving anyone. Zone scheme just stay on your man, get there, stay on him, and allow the running back to go from there. So running more uh, zone scheme uh, will could be effective in trying to. To build some more confidence for this offensive line and getting this running game going, and then as I mentioned, the short game, the screens to get Robbie going. I think that'll be important, but that'll also all set the blitzing a little bit. Uh, running back slip screens, wide receiver screens. Uh, it'll it'll cause a little bit of hesitancy possibly for this Missouri defense if you're able to do that. Now for this Missouri offense, look. I know, uh, you know, like I said, Eli Drinkwitz. He is coached under Gus Malzahn and Brian Harson, but he's more of a uh, Malzahn protege than a Harson offense protege. But again, it, 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 he, his offense has its own flair to it, so don't don't expect just a uh, identical to a Brian, uh, excuse me, to a Gus Malzahn offense. It will be a little bit different. But he wants to run the football. That's going to be key for this team. Uh, they ran the ball very well last year, but they had a stud running back that is now gone. They do have a, a, the transfer, though, from Sanford and Nathaniel Pete that is pretty talented. However, their offensive line is also very poor, and they've struggled to run the ball successfully just with the running back. So they have to get their quarterback, Brady Cook, involved. He's he's pretty athletic, not a great thrower, not a great passer, certainly not uh, near the passer that, that you saw last week with Sean Clifford. But if you give him time, he'll make some plays. Um, but they want to run the football with him. They're going to run plenty of RPOs, and uh, they're going to do a lot of lot of screen game. You're going to see a lot of that from them. They've got a very talented five, uh, five-star receiver freshman that they have, and uh, Luther Burden, uh, that they're going to try to get the ball to him in space and let him go and make plays. Um, but again, they all, like I said, even though that run game has struggled, they're going to see what Penn State did last week. They're going to try to take advantage and see if they can get their run game going. Uh, between the tackles, but if not, I expect them to really try to spread it out and get uh, into open space. Um, but if they can't run the ball, again, their offensive line has not been bad in pass row. They haven't given up too many sacks this year, so I do think that you'll see them. You know, they won't be afraid to let Brady cook their quarterback, just sit back in the pocket and try to make Auburn pay if that's what it takes to uh, win this football game this week. So defensively, how should they? How should Auburn attack? Again, I want to see Auburn be more aggressive. I want to see Jeff Schmending really dial it up, and I want to see them get sacks. Uh, but at least get more pressure. Again, Missouri probably going to get it out quick, but if, they, if they're if they going to drop back, uh, Derek Hawley, Kuliota, they've got to get back there. If they can't, then Jeff Schmending has to start sending either some corner blitzes, linebacker blitzes, whatever way, but cannot let the quarterback just sit back there. Uh, but... Um, Also, keeping a spy on uh, Brady Cook will probably be important, again, with his running ability. uh, Always have to have someone that's keeping an eye on him. And load the box. Missouri's going to do it to Auburn. Auburn needs to do it to Missouri. Load the box in this game and force Brady Cook to beat you, passing the ball downfield. And uh, be disciplined in open space, making open space tackles. Again, this team's going to try to spread you out a little bit. So uh, I think Auburn's done okay tackling so far this year, but again, tackling open space will be important uh, for the matchup in this game. Overall, though, again, it, it, it's not necessarily a, a game that a lot of folks will probably be tuned into unless you're a fan uh, of this game. Auburn's the better team. They are. Auburn has so much more talent than Missouri, and this game honestly should not be close. Um, but again, I'll get to a prediction here in the, in this next next segment. But again, that's why I said this game is going to tell you a lot about where the culture is and what the vibe of the team is currently. Are they still bought in? Because if they are, this game really should not be competitive. The line is currently sitting uh, at 7. And this game opened up at 10, but it came down to 7 real quick as a bunch of people started to hit, uh, uh, started to bet on Missouri in this game after Auburn's showing last weekend and then all the, the drama that ensued. Of course, the... The wild card in this game is the quarterback situation. You know, Robbie Ashford Holden Garner, or again, Robbie making his first start. How much will Holden play? That that obviously changes things, but the fact that Robbie has played this season I think gives um, Auburn some more confidence and the coaching staff a little more confidence. It's not like you're sticking somebody out there who hasn't played a good bit yet. He has, and so I really think Auburn's going to be fine there. I don't think there's going to be that much of a drop-off offensively with, with Robbie making the start over TJ. Um, but, again, that is a wild card to watch uh, in this game. But I think the, the things I mentioned will be the key uh, for Auburn for winning this game. Again, don't turn the ball over. Be able to run the football um, and having low, just playing clean football and scoring in the red zone. The, I mean, the simple, it's basic things that will be key for Auburn to win this football game. But as we've seen, it's easy said, not easy done. So we'll see what happens. But we'll be right back uh, after this short uh, final uh, break here to um, predict uh, other games around the country. Uh, sneaky good uh, good week and possibly a lot of upsets could happen this week in college football. So we're going to go there uh, after the breaks. So we'll be right back here on Weagle 91.1. Your career isn't a job. 91.1. So we'll conclude with an Auburn-Missouri prediction, but let's start out with a Friday night game. Virginia at Syracuse. Syracuse came out with a big win uh, last week at at home, a late comeback win. They're looking pretty good. Garrett Schrader, the Mississippi State transfer, has really proven as a a pretty good quarterback for uh, the Orange and Dino Babers' offense. I think uh, Syracuse gets to win again at home this week against Virginia. Clemson at Wake Forest. Look, I really thought last year was the year for Wake Forest to to beat Clemson. Sam Hartman, that Wake Forest team, was very, very good last year. But they had to go on the road, and that Clemson offense was poor last year. Still not real sure what we're going to get out of this Clemson offense either this year so far, too. Wake Forest at home, I still, though, I got to go Clemson, though. I, I just, again, I felt like last year was their year to do it, and they didn't. And I think this Clemson defense, this line of scrimmage, again talked a lot about that with Auburn. I'm just not sure Wake Forest is going to have the dudes to be able to handle uh, Clemson up front as good as Sam Hartman is, and he is, and he's he's going to be the better of the two quarterbacks in this game. I'm not afraid of saying that, but I do not think it'll be enough. I think Clemson wins. I think it's a close game, but I think Clemson wins because of their—they've just got better players up front, uh, plain and simple. Baylor at Iowa State. This one is an intriguing matchup. Look, Baylor coming off the loss, going out west. I mean, and uh, how did they how did they respond this week uh against Iowa State? This is not gonna be an easy matchup. It's not easy. Playing at Iowa State, this is a big game. You know, Dave Miranda a little bit overachieved um last year, uh some thought and now he could be looking at his second loss of the season if he loses this week. Can they get things rolling? I think they can, and I think they will beat Iowa State. I think Baylor's offense, this is another low-scoring game. Again, you're talking more about the the Big 12 has evolved a little bit, and they play a little bit more defense out there now, and I I think this is a low-scoring game, but in the end, Baylor makes enough plays offensively to come out with the win on the road in a tough environment. So I like Baylor in this one, again, in a close one. TCU at SMU. So the reason you may be wondering, well, why in the world are you picking this game? Well, that's because Sonny Dykes, the coach at SMU, took the TCU job. And so he is at TCU returning to SMU where he spent uh, the last few years as head coach there. Uh, Brett Lashley, former Auburn office coordinator, of course, the head coach at SMU now. This SMU team is pretty solid. They're playing pretty well so far. at Lashley doing a good job. But TCU has also looked pretty good. Some have him as a, as a dark horse in the May 12 this year. So that's why this is an interesting matchup because of, you know, how is SMU going to treat Sonny Dites coming coming back home? They should treat him well. I, I don't know that they will. Uh, but I think TCU wins this one. But it should be an entertaining game you're looking forward. Uh, a little bit of drama to watch this weekend. Now, Texas at Texas Tech. Texas Tech, again, I, I talked about them last week, how uh, they they played really well um, under Coach McGuire, first-year head coach there. Texas still without Quinn Ewers. Uh, Hudson Card will be starting again. This is a big game for Steve Sarkeesian. Even with Quinn Ewers out, this is, this is not a game I don't think Texas fans will give him a pass for losing, and I don't think he will. I think they find a way to get the win this week over Texas Tech in a rivalry game here for both these schools. So I like Texas in this one. Now, Notre Dame at North Carolina. Another uh, intriguing matchup here. These two teams have played the last few years, but North Carolina hasn't beaten Notre Dame yet. Uh, In in recent years, Mack Brown has not beaten beaten Notre Dame yet. Uh, Notre Dame finally got the first win of the Marcus Freeman era. But he really needs a, he he needs a big a big win though. Uh, Notre Dame beat Cal last week in a, in a close game, but they're still not looking uh, very strong so far this season. This, this would uh, go for a lot, at least for in Notre Dame fans' eyes, of uh, giving them some confidence that Marcus Freeman has this program at least going on the right track. This North Carolina defense has been bad. That should help this Notre Dame offense who who who's without their starting quarterback, who's out for the season, Tyler Buckner. Uh, so that should help them. This says hissed defense for North Carolina has really struggled so far this season. But that North Carolina offense is very talented. Drake May is excellent quarterback for them. So I think this is probably going to be another higher-scoring game. North Carolina at home. I like Marcus Freeman. He needs this win, dropping to... 1-3 uh, and three on the season, not going to be pretty, but I think they do. I, I really do not see uh, how Notre Dame gets this win this weekend at North Carolina. I think North Carolina gets it done at home. Now, Arkansas at, uh, versus Texas A&M. This is a neutral site game in Arlington at uh, Jerry World. This game last year was very entertaining. Arkansas, I believe, won it in a very close one. I don't have a good feel for this game. I was talking with uh, my roommate last night about this. I just I, I don't know which way to go in this one. a uh, and I think, found some success by making the quarterback change and going to Max Johnson against Miami, and they got the win at home. But still didn't look great offensively, but better. Uh, Max Johnson can do some things and uh, fits, I think, this Jimbo Fisher offense a little bit better than Haynes King did. But this Arkansas offense, we know what they've got. They're extremely talented. K.J. Jefferson is an absolute beast. But this A&M defense is also a force to be reckoning with. And so I, that's why I think this game going to probably tend to be a little bit lower scoring, probably in the 20s. But I'm going to go Arkansas again. I think Sam Pittman, this Arkansas offense, does enough. And I just don't see this A&M offense being able to match him, I think, in the end. I, I'm... So far today, I've kind of leaned towards offense being more important. I know everybody says defenses uh, win championships, and I still believe that can be true. But I'm leaning towards offense as the reason for most of my predictions today and that I'm going to stay consistent here. So Arkansas in in what I think will be a very close and a very entertaining game. But great players make great plays. I think KJ Jefferson's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and he'll make a big play today, uh, um, tomorrow in this game for Arkansas, and they'll pull it out. Now, uh, a big-time Big Ten matchup, Wisconsin at Ohio State. Ohio State going with the blackout. Should be a fun environment for a a nighttime game there uh, for the Buckeyes. But Wisconsin seems to always give Ohio State a challenge, and I think they will. But the problem is Wisconsin's still stuck in the 1990s with their offense. And And the fact of the matter is their defense is good. Their defense is arguably the best in the country. It doesn't matter when uh, uh, this Ohio State offense is going to get theirs and Wisconsin is going to keep lining up in eye formation and be like, oh, here we go. <laughs> let's, let's run, in, uh, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. And so even if they can slow down this Ohio State offense some, their inability to score and their inability to score fast will, will cause too much issues. Ohio State big in this one. And to conclude, the Auburn and Missouri prediction. I still think, personally, I talked about it, again, a lot. Is this team still bought in? Are they still believing in what you know, Coach Horson is preaching to them? I think they are. I still think this team's going to fight. I think they've got too too good a leadership on this team. I think they've got too many veterans on this team that have too much pride in, in wearing that Auburn logo, have too much pride in representing themselves to go out there and just lay down. So the line seven, I think Auburn covers I don't think they blow Missouri out just because I really just don't think they're good enough to blow Missouri out, to be honest. But I do think they win this game in a like a twenty-seven to seventeen type of game. Not necessarily a game that's going to fire up Auburn fans, but it's a game that's going to get the job done. So I like Auburn in this game, and again, we'll we'll see how you know what what happens from there. But we'll be back again next weekend. Uh, you know, rain or shine, win or loss, we'll be here to break it all down and preview the final um, home game of this five game home game, home stretch to start the season for Auburn. That'll be LSU next weekend. So we'll be back here at 11. Thank you all for tuning in today and hope you appreciated a, an honest take from a student's perspective on the current state of Auburn football. So have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll be back next week.